You are listening to the Two Chumps Football Podcast with Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino, sponsored by Bovada Sportsbook, the leading online sportsbook for all of your wagering needs. If you're a football nut like the two of us, then consider yourself a chump and realize that you're in the right place. Straight up no-nonsense football talk on a weekly basis. Now let's go tackle the issues. Welcome to the Two Chumps Football Podcast. He's Amo Calamino. I'm Chad Wilson. We are in the midst, in the middle, in the deep part. Well, not yet. But we're headlong into a college and NFL football season. I hope you are enjoying it all. Some really, really great games went down last week. And us two chumps are here to take you through the slate. What happened on the field, what happened off the field. And there was plenty of that to go around. And then we're going to talk to you about what's coming up this week. Of course, there's our picks and then our thoughts on maybe some of the bigger games that are going on this week and everything else in between. Speaking of our picks, by the way, do you know, I know a group of people who are really enjoying this football season more than the normal people. All right. That's you. And everybody who's played your picks. So far, so so far, far, so good. I hope he's not trying to jinx me, folks. But they, why would I try to jinx you? We're a team here. Somebody has uh, to carry me right now. Trying to throw the hoax on your boy. Anyway, um, I'm just messing with him. Um, yeah, I'm doing well so far. We'll see if that thing can last. Uh, I'm seeing the games. I'm seeing the game right. Unlike Zach Wilson and Justin Fields, we'll get into that on the show. Dion keeps getting asked about this five star. I want to touch on that. It's irritating me. Um, there's this fun coach in the SEC that everyone likes. I just don't think he's ever going to raise a trophy. No. That's coming up on the show. What is going on in Mile High? We need to talk about that. Of course, there was that big college football game that happened in Oregon between some Ducks and some Buffaloes and a lot of uh, stuff that came out of there. You know, both of those animals can lay a pretty big dump. One of them did. <laughs> So we'll talk about that. And of you course, had to go there, huh? You had you had to bring that. I had to go there. So. I had to I had to drop that load. <laughs> Pause for you guys out there. <laughs> that stuff. Um. Anyway. Uh. Let's. First of all, this is your first time here, uh, listening or watching the Two Chumps podcast. If you're on YouTube, go ahead and hit the subscribe button because not only is there a good podcast going on here that you're looking at right now, there's a lot of fun stuff on this channel if you're a football fan if you're into recruiting or you happen to be from the defensive back world coach trainer player etc etc also if you are wherever you're listening to this whether it's apple Podcasts, anchor spotify whatever your weapon of choice is for podcasts go ahead and hit the subscribe button we'd appreciate it this way you don't miss out on you got to get this thing hot off the presses all right if we drop this thing on thursday you shouldn't be listening to it on sunday However, if that's how it works out, that's how it works out. You can play us in the background. We make sense from time to time, and we hope to do that in this show today. Emil, I wanted to touch on this. Let's just get this out of the way. For the second time this season, I might be wrong. This might be like the third or fourth time. Deion Sanders is in a press conference, and he's being asked by reporters about a five-star cornerback that committed to him at Colorado and is there right now, young man by the name of Kamani McClain. He might have been the number one cornerback coming out in the 2023 class. And uh, it's irritating to me. I think he should have to answer that question once, not two and three times. And he seemed 
a little irritated. Well, let me ask you, because again, a couple things. I mean, I follow Colorado like most fans. I've been watching good chunks of their games. Not familiar with the player as much. I know he's from South Florida, right? South Florida, Florida, not what Florida. we would consider okay. South Florida. Maybe some folks who aren't from Florida would consider. So fill, fill me and some of the listeners in who aren't as familiar. What's the issue with him? He's not playing, I'm assuming? He's not playing. You're okay. down Travis Hunter. Um, You've had a couple of injuries at that position. You had a five-star commit to your program. And uh, he's got to keep answering this question. Obviously, the kid's not ready to go because you – or some recruiting service, or people out there hyped the kid into being a five-star. He was a five-star high school football player, and I need people out there listening to understand this. A guy is rated five stars. First of all, we can go on and on about who ranks these guys, their level of knowledge, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not one of these, after years of doing this, that bangs on the guys that gives out these ratings. You know, when I first started doing this, I'm looking at them out there. I'm like, how does this guy? Well, let me, wait, let, let, I want to unpack a little bit of this because I find it interesting. And you seem to know a lot about it from what you do. Do you think I'm wrong? Because here's what I kind of think. I think there's certain guys that can't miss. Everybody knows about them. I also think there's guys who are fringe five star and, and fringe four star. Like they might be a three star. They become a four and a four becomes a five. Once a program, certain programs get interested in them. So maybe the film doesn't say they're a five-star to, to the guy doing the ratings. But as soon as he sees Alabama's interested, well, then they go up a notch. Is that true? Well, I mean, and I'm not even saying that that's a bad thing. At first, you hear that and you're like, okay, well, you know, that's ridiculous. However, that's Nick Saban. That's Kirby Smart. That's Urban Meyer when he was coaching. No, so I'm just saying, you think that part of this is gauged by if they're interested, he must be good. Oh, perhaps. But, yeah. you know, again, getting back to these reporters, when I first started doing this and I'm looking at him like, this guy's never played football a day in his life. Right. At best, he did JV. That's not all of them. There's some guys that played for real. But over the years, I realized these are the guys that see these players the most. And they do have a level of expertise there because they – you know, I may know more than uh, more about football than one of these reporters. However, where they exceed me is in the amount of times that they've seen this player, the amount of information that they have right. on the player. So it's not even about that. I'm going to just say this. When you rank a guy five stars in high school, it's because he probably has five star traits um, and he may have made a tremendous amount of plays on a high school football field. That does not mean that that young man is ready to play day one or year one when he gets on campus. There may be some things that he needs to work on. And in this particular case, that is what Dion is saying for the second, third, fourth time already, is that he has not demonstrated yet his ability to prepare to play. And I totally get what Dion is saying. This is a guy that played ball at the highest level. He has a gold jacket, for crying out loud, for playing the very position that this kid... And there's a played. jump at every level, right? I mean, what, I'll give you an example. One thing I've noticed with players, and, and I'll use a guy that I watched only because my team, so I watched... Like, I'll admit, I know only a few of the best players at Miami because I don't follow the recruiting like you would. So last year, there was a five-star kid that came into SC, a kid named Rayleigh Brown, a running back from mm -hmm. California, five-star. Mm -hmm. The elite trade he had was, was speed, track guy. Sure. Not a big guy, 5'10", 
180 maybe, I'm guessing. If you look, I, I don't have the roster in front of me. So I watched him play. They put him in games last year. And I made a comment to a couple of buddies of mine watching a few games. I said, this kid's going to have to learn how to run at the college level or he's not going to make it, right? Because he has that. Sounds to me from his dimensions, he's also going to need to get in the weight room for a little while. Well, but he has this elite track speed. And as you know, in high school, right, mm -hmm. even if you play at the best high schools, like your guys down there, Southern California, you're still going to be able to run away from most high school players around a corner. You're going to be able to run with the ball differently than in college. Same Absolutely. way in college, you can run differently than in the NFL. So this kid always wanted to go this way, sideways, to get away. Sure. And it doesn't work as much. He's not playing this year. And they keep asking our coach about him, and he keeps saying he's a good player. You know, he's he's getting there, but we have a lot of good – he's made the comment even. We have a lot of good players here. Like, uh, I don't know why, man, but that just – that kind of stuff just yeah. really irks me. If you – you know, it's – this is the coach – this is the staff that's seeing the kid every day. They're with him every day. They see him on the practice field. They see what he does in terms of preparing, watching film, et cetera, et cetera. Ask the question once. Maybe ask it a second time way late in the season, middle of the season, but like three, four times already, he's not ready to play. That's what Deion Sanders is telling you, and he's not getting on that field until such time that he demonstrates that he's ready to play. And that is, well, you it's not his pass. physical skills. It's not right. his physical skills. There's more that goes into it. So until he shows a willingness to prepare, to watch film and do all the things that Deion Sanders, they might as well name the position Deion Sanders, finds that this kid is doing what he needs to do to play at the level that people would expect. You want him in the game so bad. You Last thing you need is to send that kid out there not prepared. A, he hurts the team, he hurts himself. And then now all those people that were begging and asking for the kid to play are now totally ripping him to shreds because he's not playing you as coach, they would you expect. You coach defensive backs, right? So what I was going to say is, don't you feel a lot of this too sometimes, like from high school, I'm assuming there's certain guys that have elite physical traits. They're 6'1", they, they run 4'4", four, four or 4'3". Four, a lot of this is traits, Emil. Right. So they can get away in high school with bad technique. If you looked at them, you'd be like, oh, that's not a good technique, but they can they can make up for some of it with physical skills. Now they get to this level at the highest level of Division One, and you kind of can't do that because there's going to be a receiver that takes advantage of you because he's also four or five star traits. That's, you know, maybe in his second or third year of college and he's, you know, well trained, et cetera, et cetera. Also. Depends on where you're from. You know, if you're six foot five, 240 pound defensive end in Indiana, you're probably going to get rated a five star. You're not going to see the level of competition week in, week out when you decide to go to a Alabama or a Georgia or a Michigan or Ohio State that you saw in high school. So it's, I mean, that's going to be a big jump for you. Um, that's not the case here with Kamani McLean from Florida, sees, you know, played against sure. good talent. He's just not ready to play. I don't want to go too long on this, but it's no, just, I know. For, for the recruit Knicks out there, it's just really irritating to me. And people will push an agenda when it comes to these five stars. There's a three or four star, uh, you know, on Colorado that's prepared. That's probably just as good. They're playing. And if they're playing, 
why is there this push to have the five star? Well, I, I, I think you have too much. You have too much coaching you, and I have more fan in me, so I can tell you from the fan side. Fans, many of them, tend to get no matter what the sport, very enamored with measurable things because it's what they understand. Okay, it's no different than you. You watch a lot of baseball. Baseball announcers, especially guys who didn't play, even good ones, they're enamored with radar guns. Oh. oh. He hit 98 there. Guess it's quantitative what? and it's, it's yeah. quantitative, and they can they can understand 98's really fast. But to the guy sitting next to him in the booth, he knows that if he knows 98's coming, he's gonna turn it around. <laughs> yeah, it goes out just as fast as it comes in. So um, yeah, it's a it's it's a little it's a little irking to me. And then I guess I see how that can cause this politics and agendas. You feel this pressure to play a kid over another guy that's probably better than him that's not ranked three or four star, and that kid's got to wait, or that kid's dreams put aside, or his hard work is not as recognized because the five star has to play because that's what the fans want. And yeah, I get it. Fans make this thing go round. They buy the jerseys, they buy the 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 TV packages. They're there at the games, but you you don't you can't have them control what you're doing in your program. To that extent, he'll play when he's ready. Dion's not going to care about that. Let's stay on that game since you've already brought it up. And, you know, a, a lot of stuff happened uh, in that game. Uh, Color, I mean, Oregon put it to Colorado. Now, I'm not sure that's that should be that surprising. I mean, we're at, I mean, the fans, the people like love to they elevate it. Colorado quickly and now they enjoy tearing them down there's a lot of people that oh this is classic America classic media yes. classic social media yeah. it's fun taking them up the ladder it's more fun pulling them back down the ladder the yeah. lines makers told you that on paper Oregon was a significantly better team going into the game now that doesn't have to play out that way but they told you quantitatively again looking at these rosters we see a large separation between these teams so I'm not sure why there's all that hate out there, number one. Because, Emil, Colorado has dominated the airwaves. They have completely overtaken social media. If it's not Dion, it's Shadur. If it's not Shadur, it's Travis Hunter. If it's not those two guys, it's Shiloh. People are just um, overwhelmed by it, and then there's a lot of haters out there. But this isn't about Colorado. Let's face it. The attention comes because Dion is a master marketer. That's why he's on Aflac commercials, because people know, like Dion. His entire family is doing a KFC commercial. during. Yeah, but he's always, listen, that goes back to his day. I still, listen, you know what I became a fan? I, I watched him in college, and I remember the NFL draft, okay? And when he got taken by the Falcons, and I, I, I'm paraphrasing, right? He comes out, you know, I, you know, I only watched the kid in college. He's about my age. Right. Yeah. And he sits there and then the guy doing the draft goes, there was a chance that the lions were going to take you. And Dion says something to the effect, man, the lions didn't have enough money to put me on layaway. Right. Yeah. If I would have asked for so much money, they would have to put me on layaway. Yes. Yeah. Somewhere, yeah. Look, I knew, I knew all things Dion. Obviously I was a cornerback because of Dion. I wanted yeah. to be a running back big time. You know who my guy was when I was growing up, it was Eric Dickerson running back. They score touchdowns, et cetera. Who plays cornerback? I, who does that? Who plays that position? I yeah. don't really know people there and then along comes this guy with all the pizzazz and jazz and showed you that you can have fun playing there too so 
Um, he's taken that now to this this part of his life and career. And it's too much for some people in, in this era where everyone has an opinion. And I've been on this kick lately, Emil, on my social media, especially Twitter, on just picking people out and be like, why do you comment on football? You don't watch it. What's Twitter? You mean X? Well, X, whatever the hell. Isn't X. that like when Prince changed his name to a symbol or Not something? calling that damn thing X. Okay, it's Twitter. <laughs> Till I die. Okay, but let me let me here. Here's what I found irksome. Amel, you tell me this though. Why do fans? I'm not even saying fans. Why do people comment on football when they don't really watch it? What is that? Does that make you feel like a man? What's the deal? That's kind of where. That's why social media, to use my phrase, is a cesspool. It, it's a lot of people. We know that, right? It's grabbing for attention. That's where it's at. You know, people want attention. And instead of staying in a forum where they can actually say something intelligent and maybe get some attention, you know, maybe they know a lot about movies or music. I don't know. They know something. Everybody. I don't understand. Something. I get but it. Why go into a football forum when you know nothing about football? You don't watch the sport. You don't even like it. And giving hard opinions. Yeah. I get it. If we ripped you away from the Food Network, okay, come in, watch, shut up, then go back to your world. When you go over there on the food channel or the food Instagram, talk about rigatoni, talk about whatever, talk about that stuff. Give a strong opinion there because that's where your expertise lies. But man, to come into this arena, you have to be some kind of a fool because football fans are football fans. And if they they if they've been watching it for a while, then they're experts on players. And if they've played it and coached it like myself, then you're an expert on technique and schemes and just what it's like to play the game to come into that arena as a casual and give a strong opinion. I'll give you a, for instance, there was a video out there of Shiloh Sanders, who is the safety Sanders. Yes. Talking crazy trash before the game against Oregon. Emil, this is standard behavior. I was a talker on the field. I played at the university of Miami for crying out loud. We talked this is nothing out of the world. Anyway, um, there's a video of it, everything that he's saying. I did, I'm not blown away by it. Anyway, um, someone comes in there and makes a comment. Unbelievable that the quarterback and the leader of the team. Okay. First, so first you don't all, even know, right? First of all, it's not the quarterback. Okay. <laughs> Safeties talk shit. It's what they do. They yeah. got to go out there and hit people. Maybe a quarterback doesn't because he might get blindsided. And yeah. I'm not and it's like, there's all these comments every week, Emil, and I'm just like, enough already. Do, Come you, remember in, the, the do you remember the famous uh, John Kerry when he ran for president? Yes. He, he, he was trying to make himself a common guy. Now, for the whole Swift boat thing. For folks out there who don't follow politics, John Kerry married in, uh, into the Hines family, uh, the, the widow of Senator John Hines. So John Kerry's worth quite a bit of money. So he's trying to say how much he enjoyed the Boston Red Sox. And he said, I love Manny Ortiz. Wow. <laughs> Manny Ortiz. Is that like a Mexican wrestler from the AWA? It sounded, <laughs> sounded like a place I got a burrito in college. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah, like, come on already with the whole. Don't try. Like, listen, my whole thing is I find I use this in business all the time. The, the smartest people that you'll be around are people that know what they don't know. That's a sign of intelligence. Knowing what you don't know is actually a sign of intelligence. And you ask somebody who does know and you vet them and you're like, okay, that person kind of like, 
like I ask you questions because I'll admit you know more about football than me. And I, and I know quite a bit for the average fan, but you know more. Like I'll ask you little questions about things because, I, you know, y- you have a better level of expertise. This is how you improve your knowledge on things. Right. I mean, you know. My cousin's a doctor, very intelligent, did a lot of years of school. He asked me stuff about football. In return, I ask him stuff about the body and health, et cetera, et cetera. I'll be damned if I go in there and tell my cousin what's up with surgery. Like, I'm not giving yeah. my strong opinion. It'll be like, you're skip- you skipped those 12 years of schooling, huh? You're way over your skis, Chad. <laughs> Pull back, all right? Um, so, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but I mean, in the, I'll tell you what irked me in this whole game, and, and I, uh, you know, I know you're probably going to have a little bit of a different take on it, but I know Dion does a lot, and it's filming. I get it, you know, and then that's, that's the nature. Everything is filmed. But he doesn't pretend that he didn't intend for it to be filmed. I mean, he was like, yeah, you know, I, I know what he said. What I didn't care for with, with the Oregon coach landing was, fine, you want to jack your team up before the game. That's your job. I get it. I don't care what, you know, they beat them 42-6. He did a good job. But don't pretend like we don't we don't talk. We, we, we go out there. ESPN or whoever, I think ESPN did the game. Whoever was in there, ABC, ESPN, they were filming you. And you were basically sending a message out to Dion. So just say, you know, this is my message back. But, but don't, like, you know, make it like we don't do that. All right. I'm going to give you a coach slash player perspective on this. Um, we're in an era where cameras are in the locker room. This we would not ever dream of happening in my day. But I will say this. When it comes time to give a speech to get your team fired up, to get a group of men in helmets and shoulder pads, jacked up and ready to run out of a tunnel in front of 80-something thousand people and slam into some other guys and put them on their backs who are also have who also have helmets and shoulder pads on and been lifting since January, you will say almost anything. And at some point through that week, a good coach finds that hot button, finds that thing that's going to rise that player out of the seat, so to speak, and get him out onto that field to get at least a fast start. Let's be honest, pregame speeches last all of five minutes. If you're on that kickoff team, it might last all of 10 seconds. You know what John Madden said? They last until somebody hits you in the mouth. Until, yes, until the person that's got (laughs) L5 comes across the field and finds you and you didn't see him, and then all the pre – we're in a football game now. So you're going to say what you need to say. I know to a core, Dan Lanning knows that there's a big media element that's growing in the game of football. And I, to some level, feel like he probably respects Deion Sanders in that regard and what he has been able to do from a media standpoint with Colorado and pull them out of the depths and darkness of college football. And a part of him realizes, I don't have that ability and read right now, believe it or not, Oregon, school of 100 different uniform combinations can't match that. So how do I defeat that beast for my kids that are going to run out on the field? I diminish it by my pregame speech in the way that he said. I think that's yeah. I think that was all theatrics. It is all. And I'm just, not losing any sleep over. It was just one of those. No, so, little, but of course, the casuals came in there. No. Yeah. SEC Scooter here. Listen, man, if you want to get down on action and you want to make enough money to get out of your double wide, I mean, like really step up, you got to go on ahead and open yourself an account over there at Bovada Sportsbook. It's the 
best online sports book that has just ever been put around. I mean, this is just better than the little card game that you're going to have going down over there at the local saloon this weekend. I mean, if you're trying to cash in, Bovada is where it's at. They've got poker, they've got blackjack, and they've got the ponies. Plus, you can get down on the NFL and college football action every week. I mean, you just can't beat it. So don't be a ham bone. Don't be an idiot. Don't be a fool. Go ahead and hit that link in the description and open yourself an account with Bovada Sportsbook today. Make it happen. Now, another game that I, you know, Saturday, by the way, for you, I told you before the week started, Saturday was my day last week. Yes. Sunday, I only, unfortunately, watched the Cowboy game, which you did, too, in person. We'll get to that. But Saturday, I started at noon, and and I'm not kidding you, folks. I I, I finished at 2.10 in the morning, okay? Well, well, look, I'm going to tell you what was fortunate for me is we went out to Arizona Friday. Yeah. Um, for for the Cowboys Arizona Cardinals game. And so I had the pleasure of having that first game kick off at 9 a.m. Sure. That's and you were the great it, thing. if you stayed with it all day, you're done at 11. You can actually get to bed. Yes. Um I couldn't I wasn't in a situation where I could park myself in one spot. But for oh, one Oh, no, I was mobile. I started at home. Then then I said to my wife, "Hey, why don't we grab something to eat?" I went over to the sports bar for a while just about, I was all over. Well, you're I, a good man. There was probably men across the country who had their dinner and lunch and breakfast slid on the. Oh bed. yeah, yeah. I was, I was, but I was like dog crap. I was all over, but I, but I was in front of a TV. No, over. these are the weekends you live for. I actually did park myself in a hotel lobby, something I don't really ever do. Sure. But we're in a nice hotel out there in Arizona, um, and we sat there for the for the for the 9 a.m. game, for the 12 o'clock game for the for you folks on the East Coast. So um, we watched the Clemson-Florida State game all the way through and then a half of the uh, Oregon-Colorado game moved around. And this is a plug for YouTube TV, which, by the way, my man Amel here is the Fantastic one. Fantastic. With the four, you're going to talk about, oh. Yeah, one of the best purchases. Oh, Not just God. for that, though, Amel. It's like sure. I can pick up and leave. And I could have the game on my phone in the car. Never been able to do that before. So listen, if you're still out there messing around with Comcast or Spectrum or any of these other cable companies, leave them right now like a bad girlfriend. Get yourself some. And we don't even get, you know, I keep saying this every show. We don't even get money from them. We don't. um, But it's just a really good whole. Don't you like the whole setup? Just, I mean, they have the one channel you can pick from several. They, they give you a box of four games, and they have several four gamers. You can pick which one you want to watch your four games. They um, get it. This was designed by an actual football fan. I have yeah. an uh, NFL Sunday ticket. I've endured the years of direct TV. This is lights out infinitely better. So, yes, they're not a sponsor. And the, the pricing is, is great. I mean, with your taxes, it's, it's the best part. 77 bucks a month. Yeah, I'm best part, and they gave great deals on the Sunday uh, ticket. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah um, deep plug for this. You guys, if you're a football fan, go get YouTube TV if you don't have it. Good stuff, and it's solid as far as your connection. And, you know, and I know we're getting a little technical here, but you don't get a lot of buffering typically. If you have if you have good internet, solid cable internet, you, you're going to like it. Um, I really enjoyed the Florida State-Clemson game. That was, a, that was a good ball game, and I'll, I'll tell you, um, from my seat, Dabo Sweeney either is going to have to start adapting 
or Clemson's going to become the team they were when you and I were younger, which was seven and five, eight and four, going to the Blue Bonnet Bowl for people. That I don't even. They think did that, have 1981. That's it. And but Clemson, for all the history of Clemson football, what people don't realize is they had 1981. Then not much before it, not much after it, until he got there, and they had the two championships. And they were the typical seven and five, eight and four. A lot of guys in the NFL over the years. But they were just never, you know, consistently great. College football, college football has a graveyard of programs that fail to adapt when big swings happened. Um, and, you know, my school, University of Miami, suffered that. They, we seem to be coming out of it now. But, there, you know, at certain points in college football, there's a major swing. And if you don't adapt and move with the times, you can get left. You know, the whole thing with facilities, we were very slow on that. Trying to get an on-camp, we'll, we'll probably never be able to get that. But, yeah. um, you know, stadiums, things like that, we were slow on well, that. You've taken me when I've been down there to your campus. And, I I mean, I, I, I'm trying There's to... no room. Yeah, there's no room. I yeah, mean, there's no room. And everything's yeah. historical in Coral Bay. Yeah, you're not going to put You can't even out. knock out a bus bench without getting a letter. So um, it's that's the situation. But then we were slow on the whole recruiting thing. What I'm seeing now with Dabo Sweeney is an inability or an unwillingness to adapt to the transfer portal and the NIL. And that's what's running college football right now. And he, they're going to get left behind. They're just simply going to get well, left. Well, and just some of the, you know, obviously – in retrospect, it's always easy to question, but there was, even as the game was going on toward the end of the ball game, I mean, Florida state made a big play defensively that kind of shifted that game with Clemson driving and a seven point lead down around the Florida state 30, 35 yard line. Uh, the kid from the kid from Florida state came around the corner, hit the quarterback straight on fumble scoop, pick six ties that ball game, but Clemson right. had a chance to win the game. They did. And for folks out there who understand Clemson was using a kicker, that basically was was hanging out on a beach, had been on the team. Well, the kid had moved on to another career. Yeah, le left. And, I felt and, bad for him, Amel. Yeah, no, I, I did too. I'm not criticizing the kid. Dabo brought him back, you know. So I'm always dubious in general of leaving the game to the kicker, especially in college. Oh, for sure. Even in yeah. the pros. The pros, most of the time, if you have a good kicker, from 40 yards in, it's generally pretty automatic not always but pretty automatic college is an adventure i don't care how far the field goal is yes nothing is for sure in a college kicker and at the end of that ball game he has a kid that he just literally pulled off the street essentially and and and, and left that game in his hands with his play calling basically setting up for the field goal to me that's I'm, crazy yeah, I'm playing like if it just if it, if it ended up happening that way, okay. Hey. But to position yourself for that, um, to to put that particular player who'd been off the grid in that situation was kind of wild to me. Yeah, I thought I thought that was crazy, and I think you know, uh, you know, Florida State. The last couple of weeks, there's some questions. That was a big win. It wasn't dominating. And the week before, I think they just got caught in a look ahead situation. We talked about that last week against Boston College. I mean, listen, Florida State's not a slam dunk. The rest of their schedule is tough. Um, I think Miami, I'm hoping things continue there, and I'm, I'm hoping that that's that shaping up to be a yeah, a big a, game. A kind of a the way it used to be game. Yes. I'm looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, me, me too. Now, the other game I obviously have to talk about is the Ohio State-Notre Dame game. Yes. That was an old school 
you know, we're, we're defensive struggling, something you don't see very often anymore. It was, but can I be an old man for a second? Yeah. I was sitting there watching that game and just really missing the days of the natural grass. Oh yeah. The white stripes in the end zone. Yeah. Um, the, the not so bright lights and just like feeling like the crowd was on top of that field and Lou Holtz, who's going to be a part of what we talk about here, patrolling the sidelines, just something was missing there. I think I agree. I like the grass at Notre Dame, but I think the real issue there, and if you remember when they still had the grass, which wasn't that long ago, Mm -hmm. they're fine until like mid to back half of October there. Right. But that grass surface, for some reason, in that stadium from the end of October into November, it was it was a bad track. I mean, they were playing. It was I get I get it. It is what it is. Yeah, it was. a. But I'm like you. I like that. But I I found that game interesting on several fronts. One, you know, I think Ohio State's quarterback play this year is what I noticed, at least, is really down compared to what we're used to. This kid might actually be the one that takes off in the NFL. He might be. I, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying he's not a good player. I'm saying what we're used to seeing in terms of college football in Ohio State, I think, you know, they're not as explosive offensively. The other thing was, I know the Notre Dame batting wagon had started up with Hartman, who's like the kid from Penn State last year, who's with the Packers now. He's on like the seven-year or six-year program. Leopard, yeah. So he has like 40,000 passing yards in college. But, you know, he was throwing against Tennessee State. And, you know, I'm like, okay, he was he, he didn't lose the game, obviously, for them. But 14 points, it's like, okay. you know, <laughs> Yeah, it makes you really wonder if these two teams are going to be there in the end um because of their inability to really have explosive plays and get down to well, I mean, that's what I was going to ask you let me ask you that was where I was going with this do you think the the lack of scoring which I'm not against by the way I don't mind the occasional good 17-14 game do you think it was because both teams were playing such good defense or do you think it was a little bit of they don't have very good offenses. Uh, it's a combination of both. Uh, I think if you watch both of these teams at all this year, you realize they're not offensively what they've been in the past. But if we think about it, Emil, there aren't too many. College football, as I said last week, is wide open. So though I've said that, I'm struggling to think of who can really expose that. Because of the teams that right now have explosive offenses in college football, they're not bringing the defense with it. Uh, Georgia's our defending national champion. Um, they're not explosive offensively like they started to become last year, but they're always going to be there defensively. So could they take advantage of it? I'm not sure. Michigan looks like they're finding it kind of hard to get points, as as is Penn State. USC can put up points. They can't really stop people the way that they need to. I'm not sure what we have with Oregon yet. I guess, you know, the Colorado game wasn't a true test. So I think people in general get too hung up at this point in the year. I mean, we love to rank things. That's the way our country rolls. Um, I think they get way too hung up on rankings because most of this stuff, these teams are all going to face one another. Well, can you admit, though, that this thing's more wide open than it's been in previous years? Yeah. Oh, it's definitely. I mean, even if you take a look at Georgia, right, you know, my term, they, they played with their food on Saturday. I mean, they had UAB. It's twenty eight four. Well, Emil, this is this is too many times now that they've that they've done this. 
Well, right. So, but the question I have is we know the talent is there in terms of overall roster talent. I'm wondering, are they just so bored with the regular season? Because they look at their schedule. I mean, come on. There's nothing to be, if you're a Georgia player this year, you're not not giving them that out. I'm not, I watched them on film. Um, and I'm not, I'm not, that's not what I'm seeing. Okay. I'm seeing that they're Fair just enough. right now. They just are not up to snuff. If we're comparing 2023 Georgia to either of the last two previous versions, let me ask you this. You have a thousand dollars in your hand and they're telling you, you need to make a bet with that thousand dollars on who is going to win that national championship. Who would you put that thousand dollars on right now? Reluctant. Georgia, Michigan, Texas, Ohio State, Florida State, Penn State, Washington, USC, Oregon, and Utah as a top. Reluctantly, player. I'd still go with Michigan now for several reasons. Michigan. Yes. Okay. One, I, I think they play legitimately good defense by today's standards. I I think Harbaugh's a good coach. I think the quarterback's a, a good good college quarterback. I don't know what he's going to be, but we're not talking about the next level. I think he's a solid college quarterback, generally makes good decisions, and they have a couple really good running backs, and they kind of play the way he played when, when Harbaugh had his teams at Stanford. They try to impose their will on you. They're generally successful at that, mm-hmm. and they wear you down, and, and I think it's a style that most of college football isn't really used to right now because the game is so wide open. So I think they're a hard team to play because they play an old school way. Um, yeah, definitely a worthy bet. They're the number two team in the nation. I would, I would really want to put that money on Washington, but they're just in a conference that's super hot right now, and something bad could happen along the way. I would have to still have to put the money on Georgia. Though I don't, I'm not sure that they're the best team in the country. It's just their schedule is going to allow them to float into this thing number one, yeah, and maybe avoid a you know the the really good teams until the end. And at that point, anything can happen. I think I think if if Georgia ran into Michigan this year, I think they'd have a hard time moving the ball with that with the way they're playing offense right now. Now that could change. I think it would be a super low scoring game. Yes, something fans wouldn't be able to understand. But it's about time we brought that back, you know, a little defense. Uh, I wanted to just finish before we get out, before we go anywhere else, on the Notre Dame game. Uh, the ending of that game was incredible. Uh, my buddy's a diehard Notre Dame fan. For folks who didn't see it, Ohio State was facing a third and 22 from the Notre Dame 23. They get a first down on like the one-yard line. And they were – there's 20-some seconds left. And I, and I said to him, we were texting, I said – if it's me right now watching this entire game, what I've seen from the Ohio State quarterback, I'm bringing the house. Mm. Because I said to him, I said, this kid, I'm going to make him make a decision here. And I'll live with that because I don't see this kid processing things really quickly, right? Well, as soon as the play started, I saw them drop into an umbrella like an eight. And I wrote quick. I said, this is a problem. Mm. <laughs> and, and he hit a big one. You know, down the center of the field, they, they and they had the ball on the one yard line, and that's essentially the game. I think that's the Marvin Harrison effect. Yeah, yeah. You, I you know. don't want to leave. You don't want to leave a guy there one on one with him and give up that potential game winner in a one on one situation. A, you lose the game. B, I don't know. And well, but see, with the right quarterback, I agree with you. But I think this kid's young. It was his first big game. It was on the road. I want to see if he can make that decision versus let him sit in a rocking chair. And find a guy 
running open in his own. What's the decision? Hey, that's Marvin Harrison. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I don't know. You could second guess that. It was a great game, and and Notre Dame ended up losing it with 10 guys on the field. That was interesting. Um, I'm here to tell you that that could happen, but it shouldn't. That happened to me in a game here uh, when I was coaching in high school. Uh, We're playing against Central High School down here when Dalvin Cook was there. And we were doing a pretty good job defensively um, at the private school that I was at against Central, doing a good job defensively. And he rips off a 30-yard run um, to their sideline. It's like, you know, you know, damn, but it's Dalvin. I knew he'd get a co- one or two of those. Then he rips off another one. And I'm like, damn it. And I turn this way to say something. <laughs> and it's a kid that's supposed to be on the field. I'm like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I didn't know I was supposed to be in the game. I said, get in the game. <laughs> they ran out there. So it was like two or three plays with the kid standing next to me. 60 yards of uh, offense later, I figured it out, and the kid got in the game. But we're at the college football level where you yeah. serious booth action, and I just have to know that the defensive line coach has – he. There's no way he's not in the book. Well, it happened on two plays, too. It did. He has yeah. to be on the sideline because there's no way that guy's in the booth and doesn't realize he's missing a guy out there. There's no way that happened. So he's probably on the sideline. Um, you got to be able to trust your guy up top. That's probably been a big part. That was probably a big part. Uh, I mean, you know, who knows? knows? I mean, and I remember it. saying, Emil, that looks funny. I didn't realize there were 10, but I was like, We've got a lot of small guys to one side of this formation and Ohio state ought to go there and get what they want. I didn't realize it was 10 yeah. guys on the well, field. Well, 10 or not when they, when they had the first, there's two plays with seven seconds left. The first play was a pass that left three seconds. So obviously that's going to be the last play of the game. And I thought to myself from the one, if I'm losing this game, I'm going to try to run. I didn't even 10 guys or not. I'm trying to run some sort of read option and run the ball in because I hate trying to pass. Why? Because you thought of the Seattle Seahawks versus the Patriots? I just hate, you know, I'm one of these people, I maybe it's the old school of me, I hate trying to pass from the one and two yard line. I just think it just it's You just know runs can get stuffed, right? Pardon me? You know run plays can get stuffed. It, it happens. Oh, I understand completely. I'm not saying they can't. What I'm saying is I always find it very difficult. It, it just seems to pass down there unless you get some sort of rub route and like like Clemson I would have to have such a good quarterback he'd have to either be super dynamic athletically or one hell of a decision maker for me to do that if I've got a mediocre quarterback then I am going to run that ball in if I feel like I have some kind of an advantage in the trenches or I am going to get a little gimmicky run wise jet sweep something like that uh hard bootleg maybe But I'm with you on that. I would, I would more. It's very difficult. Um, well, listen, before we, before we do anything, I, let's jump to the NFL. Okay. Because a lot, you were at a game that uh, I'm not as shocked as you might think I am. Mm. Uh, you know, tell me why. Well, first of all, you know, I think the Cardinals, this is your, this is your team. You follow them closely. The Cardinals might end up number one with a bad record, but I don't think they're inherently a bad like when I say I don't I don't think they're an inept team. I mean they, they lost after Sunday. I'm not I don't think that that's going to happen. There's two teams there that really look like they've got a they've got a and they're playing each other this Sunday. But the but the Cardinals, you know, they, they lost. The they first could round. easily be three and zero. Oh, 
Sure. And that's a lot of the NFL. You could, a lot of teams could be three and all three, but here's what I saw with Dallas, right? The big problem in Dallas is not talent. It's organizational top down. They get ahead of themselves. Okay. So the first couple of games of the year, they played well. They have a great roster, but you started hearing the stuff. We want to be an all time great defense. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. Time out. Well, you got to have confidence, especially in the sure. unit. But I'm telling you now, and, and I'm not just saying this, I, I have a good, good friend. He's a diehard fan like me, Cowboy fan. We both said, as soon as, as, soon as Dobbs ran the first play around the end, and I saw the Cowboys defense look like a bunch of dogs chasing a car, I said, we're in trouble. Because what I felt like that was a, a combination of, a little bit of arrogance, a little bit of sniffing yourself, and a bunch of guys saying, we're going to go out here and run some stats up. You know, we, we, we want to chase quarterbacks, and we want, we want to get sacks. And I see, you know, the, the ends crashing down, making it very easy to run plays like that with the quarterback, with the receiver, with the running back getting outside. Things that shouldn't happen to a, good, a, a very good NFL defense if you're playing disciplined football. They use the, the proverbial, um, we didn't respect our opponent. And you have to remember that it's on any given Sunday in the NFL. And not for nothing, the odds makers went and made them a 11, 12, 12. Point favorite, 12. 12 point favorite on the road. Um, after a couple blowout wins, there's a lot of teams that would fail in that situation. Oh, but there's just, a, and then you were at the game, there's just a bunch of bizarro coaching stuff that you see like. Uh, early in the fourth, late third, I don't know where it was. It was 21-13 Cardinals. Dallas was down at the five-yard line. To me, clearly, you're down eight. Take the points. There's tons of game left. 21-16, you know, he goes for it. End of the game, it's 28-16. There's six minutes left in the game. Dallas is Dallas has five and a half minutes left around the Cardinal 20-yard line. They waste two and a half minutes to get to the nine. By yeah, run running, running the clock, running. And the McCarthy clock. says after the game, well, my running plays were working. You think the other team was up two scores. You were helping them run the clock out. Yeah. <laughs> I think he gets caught in between um, the, the, you know, idea that he is a conservative coach and he just kind of picks the wrong times to be either one of those, um, like a guy that takes chances, like going for it and then being conservative when he should have been. He just gets that wrong quite a bit. Strategically, though, um, the Cardinals may have done something that I think you're going to see a lot of teams do, and that is go heavy um, in terms of the personnel on the field, couple of tight ends, an extra lineman on number 11 side, and take the bite out of him and run at him and exhaust him trying to defend the run. Then let's just let's pass. And when he doesn't have as much energy, because look early in that game, my sole focus was on him. Let me just see I this. I don't know if I'll ever see him again in person. So I just kind of wanted to watch this guy and he's held. Um, he's oh, held he's coming off that ball. Yeah. He's he a is. freakish athlete. I mean, yeah, so you had to do something about it and kudos to the Cardinals with coming up a with a legit game plan to kind of neutralize his effect. And of course, getting up early did help, but. But that's just what I saw there. And, so. and the other game that struck me and what's going on. Well, there's two other games. Let's let's we'll save the, the home team for last. Um, the Jets, how a season could be go from what 
what they started with in terms of expectations in New York around the Jets to what it's at only three weeks in. Listen, I know Zach Wilson is not Aaron Rodgers, and everybody knows that. But like, it's are you, gone. Are, you are you serious? Are you sure about that? Yeah, right, right. But I mean, no, it's gone from like, okay, it's not like they took a step down. And said, well, maybe we're not a Super Bowl contender, but we're a playoff team now. It's just like this. I mean, I mean, they look like a high school offense out there. It's you know, Emil. I think the biggest problem because you know, I think most fans watching and listening to this right now are aware of some of the behind the scenes things that are going on this week and some of the turmoil that they're having and how quickly that turned. Um, with after all the good feeling on 9-11, uh, the opening night, uh, getting that win against Buffalo to here we stand two weeks later where people are at each other's throats and the defensive unit is pissed off at Robert Sella for his support that he's giving to Zach Wilson. I'm not sure what they want him to do. I'm not sure do you, who, who are we going to put in there. If he doesn't support the guy, He's going to be even worse than what he is now. So I'm. What did these I mean, guys? I don't know what fans think. Like it, this is the NFL. I, I mean, uh, Tom Brady is not walking through the door. Okay. So, uh, he might. He might not. You know. No. But, but you know yeah, what I mean. It's just you don't. You don't find teams. Teams without quarterbacks try like hell every year to find one in the draft. Okay. My point is, it's not, not like pulling one off the street. You're not pulling one off the street. That's really. I good. would love for there to be a secret ballot passed around in that locker room, maybe even just specifically to the defensive unit, and have them put on paper who they would like to see that's available. Um, so Brady's off, um, Rogers is off. Who they would want to be quarterback for that team? I would love well, to hear the names. Listen, it's gonna. That can get if they don't do something, that can get ugly quickly because you know the defense. Went it's out. gonna get ugly, Emil, and this really boils down to expectations. In any other given year, if you were, um, if you were told, if you could see throughout OTAs, throughout you know, um, fall, uh, you know, uh, camp and pre-season games that Zach Wilson's your guy, you can mentally prepare for that. But all this time, you had Aaron Rodgers, you had plans in your mind, yeah. um, how your ring was gonna look everything that you're going to do. And then it all goes up in smoke in the first series of the season. And now you got this guy back again. So I think they're struggling with expectations and Emil, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. Here's the problem that I see with these guys. Cause I really wanted to just crack open the film and watch it. Mm -hmm. Both of these, I'm not sure why this is happening to Zach Wilson. Uh, I have an idea of why it's happening to Justin Fields. They just won't make the throw aim. I think Justin Fields is used to his receiver having two steps on a guy. And you really just have to realize that in this league, if you see a guy's numbers, um, throw the ball. If it's a play down the field and the receivers, even with the DB, throw the football. Um, I think he's waiting for guys to be wide open and it's just. Oh, what you're really just saying is he's not seeing it. I mean, he's, not he's just... seeing it. He's not trusting it is what the yeah. problem is. And the fact that he's able to run is creating a problem for him in his mind. Do I squeeze this ball in right here or can I just take off and run? Almost like if he didn't have that mobility, he would be more willing to say, hey, let me try and throw this thing in or DJ more and see if he can make a great Think hit. about what, he, what they're asking him to do is against all his instincts for until he was 21 years old. I mean, 
he played in a system at Ohio State where he did have the best wide receivers, and they usually did have a couple steps on a guy. And if they didn't, he had phenomenal physical ability, and he could run with the football, and he would, and, and it worked. And now you're in a league where, just like we talked about in the previous segment, where you step up from high school to college and the speed changes – goes to the NFL, and there are guys like Michael Parsons out there who do run 4-4 and are 255 pounds. Yeah, Amolt, give me the quarterback from Purdue. Give me the quarterback from Northwestern, from Iowa, from Indiana, who didn't have those four- and five-star guys out there and found a way to get it done. If you give me a three-year starter from Purdue who put up two, 3,000 yards, I'll take that guy over well, the He played a career with guys at his feet. Almost sacking him and, and throwing into tight of course. windows. And throwing yeah. into tight windows and in tight coverage because that's what the next level is. And I think Justin Fields is really just struggling with that and just not trusting what he's seeing. That's what I'm seeing. Same for Zach Wilson. It's just he's not bringing the other attributes either. It's like he's no. he's not as mobile as people thought he was. He doesn't have the arm strength. He's late on almost everything. Well, go back to his draft. We didn't really know much about him. What he he was like a one hit wonder at BYU. It's like he had one big year. He's a lesser talented Mitch Trubisky man, and this isn't. It's not going to happen there. These things are not going to get corrected during this season. It's going to be up to the Jets, the defensive unit, to stop worrying about what's happening on offense. As hard as that is to do, let's just worry. 100% about our unit and try to be the best unit in the league. Cause that's kind of what it's going to take. And then the coaches on the offensive side, try to figure out a legit game plan each week to a get yourself in a scoring position. When the defense gives you an opportunity as they will take advantage of it and find ways to win ball games. Damn it, man. Tim Tebow had a winning streak in this league. So figure well, that out. I think I think you got to be careful too. Some of their defensive numbers might be skewed to the positive this year because teams are going to go into games saying, well, you know, we're not going to beat ourselves because we don't think these guys can drive the ball on us. Sure. But when you go through that roster, there's some there's some guys. There's some dudes there. They've got dudes on that line of scrimmage. They've got guys at the edges and they've got oh, no, they're good. Listen, they're a good defense. I'm saying. If Like the Patriots last week, I think very early in that game, not that the Patriots are an offensive juggernaut, but very early in that game, they probably made a determination and said, if we don't give these guys a short field, they're going to have a hard time scoring. <laughs> yeah, um, and they're just very heady like that. So I know what game you want to talk about. Oh, that game for the home team where you are. Listen, I believe literally that I can remember watching football since I'm five, five and a half, six years old. I don't ever, I didn't ever remember a 70 point game. And sure enough, there hasn't been one since 1966. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say not in your lifetime or my lifetime. Have we ever seen anything like that? The closest I could say to watching I've ever been to like a feeling of like what I saw on Sunday was the Super Bowl uh, with the 49ers and the Broncos where they oh, were yeah. 55, you know, you're yeah. just like, wow, this is this this could get ugly. This could get really, really bad. But, you know, I saw the first series. Miami just walked it down there. Um, Denver left Tyreek Hill wide open over the middle. Then they went down there and scored again. I was like, all right, this is this is going to be a bad day for Denver. They're not going to win this game. Then they showed a little fight in the Namel. There was like a turning point in his game where the blowout was on. At no point did I think they were going to win the game, but they were 
working their way back into this thing. It was 21-7. They go down there, and and the officials in the red zone call an offensive pass interference um, and, you know, a player rubbing another defender off, and it put him out of a scoring chance. Yeah, and, touch and then it was on. Field. All right, so instead of 21-14, 21-10, and soon thereafter, Denver got the ball back, and – Ball got punched out by by the safety, uh, Javon Holland, and it gets scooped up, and they damn near run it back in, and now it's 28-10, and then the route was on. But, Emil, what do you think happened? I wasn't able to watch the entire game. Has this team quit on Sean Payton? I, 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 I was going to say, see, I don't want to diminish. I think Miami is getting excellent play calling. I think they've got – that's without question the most Excellent dynamic, great of offense in the league. Yeah, they got pieces with with Hill and Waddle. Uh, we'll see if Tua. Can they stay did this healthy. without Waddle too. I need I people to understand. I know, and, and if Tua can stay healthy all year, that's going to be a dynamic offense. But come on, an NFL team. I mean, w- once you get above forty in an NFL game, I start to question if you quit, just because it's the NFL. I mean, you're right. all getting paid. There's a reason we say any given Sunday. So to me, at some point, I have to wonder, is this is is this team already sick of Sean Payton? He came in there really cocky, uh, making comments about other coaches, which is kind of taboo, pissing people off. And- yeah, he rode into horse country on the super high horse. And I'll be damned if he hasn't been knocked off of it. He's, uh, you know, I made the tweet Sunday that this game will humble you. At some point, you will be humbled by the game of football. And that was pretty much – it was for several people, but most notable, Denver. And so Sean Payton has been humbled. I was just wondering who's going to be the scapegoat here. I felt uh, defensive coordinator Vance Joseph might not be the coach next week, the defensive coordinator. He's made it to Wednesday, so looks like he'll he's safe. Um you know, what was going to happen there with Russell Wilson, who played well, by the way. So yeah. this is not on Russ. It's just going to be difficult to kind of unpack that and figure it out. They play Chicago this week. Emil, if Denver loses to Chicago. They're in trouble. We There's... could be looking at a winless season. Well, you know, you remember. It'd be hard to get your locker room you know, together. In the offseason, we were talking about coaches. I forget the topic of the show. And I brought, if you remember, I went out and did the research. And I said, listen, I'm not sure why everybody loves Sean Payton and hates Mike McCarthy because they're the same coach. You can go pull up their records, okay? Almost identical regular season records, almost identical playoff records. Both guys had a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback and only won one Super Bowl with him. And I think both only got to one. Did the same? Yeah, I don't remember the Saints. They were in the one. I think McCarthy was in the one with so I mean they're the same guy. You and if for folks out there don't believe me, you have Google. Go to Google, go to Wikipedia. I think it's presentation. I think it's I I think it must be because for some reason, like everybody treats Sean Payton like he's the second coming of Vince Lombardi or Bill Walsh or Don Shulin. He's it's fascinating. It definitely is fascinating. Yeah. But it's that thing, uh, Amol, that I've definitely mentioned over the years. When you climb to the mountaintop and you have that special quarterback, you almost need to just float off into the sunset, which is where Sean Payton had headed, and call it a day. But there's just that thing inside of a coach, player, 
um, that competitive thing to say, hey, I want to show everyone that I could do it again with another guy. And by golly, is he being tested on? I mean, if you, I don't you're know pretty if much right. I mean, if you look at, if you go back historically and look at all the greats, very few had a second act. You know, I mean, like even Coach Landry, right? At the end, Staubach was done. You know, he, he got to a few NFC Championship games with Danny White, but he couldn't get back there. And then it all went, it all went south. You know? Yeah. Who's done this with two different guys? I'm, I mean, we could do the research one day, but I mean, like, I mean, Parcells made the Super Bowl with the Giants and then got back there with the Patriots and lost, but he did get back there. And, you know, and it really wasn't what it wasn't about his quarterback. No, I'm not saying I'm saying it's very it's very hard. Like like you're saying, it's just like the college game. When you win a national championship at a school with an all time great quarterback, it's best to go to a different right off. Yeah, right. Get on your horse and get out of town town. or do what Dr. Bruce Banner would do after he turned into the Hulk and ripped up the whole town. Put the bag over your shoulder and walk out of town, catch the Greyhound and leave. But uh, Sean Payton, he's in trouble there. And, you know, I, I don't know enough about Denver's cap dynamics. I could look it up. But, you know, for the amount of guaranteed money Russ got, I mean, I think they're pretty much stuck with him for a couple more years. I don't think they could. I think there's a deep locker room culture, something issue there that they've got to get solved. Emil, this is a big showdown on Sunday. Oh, no, it's an interesting game because, again, if they lose. This is a showdown, man. Yeah, if they lose, you start to wonder. I mean, there's only so many teams, I think, on the level of what the Bears are where you could say there's a win out there. Yeah. But even the Texans, for C.J. Stroud is, is balling down there. He is. I've been impressed, you know, up until maybe last week. I felt like um, Anthony Richardson had shown the most to me out of the rookie quarterbacks. But, you know, with Richardson out and C.J. Stroud doing what he's done the last two weeks, most, you know, v- very impressive going into Jacksonville and playing that way. I'd have to say he's he's the best of those guys yeah. right now. So What I like to-, to see, though, is, I, and I'm sure you do too, because it's, it's, it's the nature of sports, especially at this level. They're, the league is going to adjust on these guys. They will. And how are they going? How are they going to? It's no different than baseball. They're going to find the hole in your swing. The pitcher is going to adjust after they get enough at bats and film on you. It's going to be what adjustment do you make back? And it's yeah, none of these guys are playing with elite talent around them. So um, that's going to be an issue. All right. We need to do some picks for that. We're going to head back to college football. Um, talk about last week and let's, let's get into let's, yeah you want to talk well last week was finally a winning week for me too but we'll start with that's you. your starter man that's how you it's get my going. starter i told folks i will get my act together and i started last week you again were three and all um feeling it my man yes you're you're, you're 10 and 2 on the year in college by the way you had florida state minus two and a half had to sweat that a little bit you had to sweat it but hey it's a winner a good pick that you found, you just dug into the Big 12 and found Iowa State for us, minus three and a half. They won by seven. Um, I felt they controlled the parts of that game I saw flipping through channels. I saw a little bit of it and saw the score. They pretty much had good control over most of that game. And then finally, you had a big winner with AM and the SEC giving seven and a half to Auburn. That I think 27 10. Do I have a score? Yeah, right? well, that one was probably the easiest of all of them. So. Yeah. But Easy doesn't matter. Hard doesn't matter. All that matters is you cast three tickets if you followed him. 
he's three, you know, he's 10 and two on the year. Me, I finally have my winning week. I'm getting in the, going in the right direction. Two and one uh, winner on Florida state as well. Easy winner. I gave you Louisville. I told you, listen, BC played their game against Florida state. They did. That was it. <laughs> okay. They, they definitely emptied the tank. They emptied the tank. And then finally I kind of got caught up a little bit in it. I thought Colorado would put some points up in that game to at least come within that number. And they really, that was just, they got smoked. It happens two and one. So I'm, I'm five and seven on the year. And it's time to make some picks. You want me to give you mine first? Uh, I'm going to go last in the NFL. So how do we want to do this? And you go first, go ahead. All right. I'll go first here. I'm going to start off in the very, very competitive pac 12. What an impressive conference after we've dogged it for uh, the last three, four years. It only stands to reason that since they're on their way out the door now, they're doing all this great stuff. But I want to go into the far upper northwest, and I'm going to back Oregon State here, Emil, in their game against Utah. Utah coming off of a nice, tough win in the conference in Los Angeles, 14-7 over a UCLA team that we're still trying to figure out. We know they're good, but just how good. So good win for Utah, and uh, maybe they might want to let their hair down a little bit. And they're heading to play an Oregon State team that's coming off of a disappointing loss. Now, that game last week, I almost picked Washington State because that's a tough ball game. You're going to play a Washington State team that not a lot of people are talking about, but they're another good team in the conference. And you had this Utah game coming up. Well, you meshed around and lost the Washington State game, and Oregon State is a good football team. And there's just something about this line with Oregon State. What do we? What's Bovada saying? Three and a half at our sponsor, Bovada. Three and a half to you're laying three and a half. I'm laying three and a half. Oregon Fishy. State coming off of a loss. Utah has his reputation and just won at UCLA. Why is it three and a half? It's because and the you know, Oregon State game, uh, their quarterback didn't play his best game. Washington State got up on them early by like 17. It ended up being a three point win for Washington State. Now Washington State was a dog in that game. And their quarterback, Ward, really had him. He's been having an impressive season so far. Um, I like this pick. Again, I think Utah is a tough, gritty team. I don't think they were, are what they've been the last couple of years. I mean, no, Cam Rising or not, I just don't think they're very dynamic offensively. Yeah. um, And, you know, I, I totally get that. Oregon State's tough. They'll be motivated. They're tough at home. I like them three and a half point favorites. Okay. Come all the way back to the East Coast now, going to the ACC. You love Louisville last week, and they did what you needed them to do. They got an easy win over a Boston College team that took Florida State to the wire. I think Louisville might be a little disillusioned by that as they head out to take on an NC State team that struggled with a not-so-good Virginia team on a nationally televised game. Mind you, it's a Friday night, but still, a nationally televised yeah. game. And people might get the wrong idea. So now you've got Louisville um, going into NC State, a tough place to play as a favorite. Emil, and I don't like that for Louisville, especially with Notre Dame on deck next week. I think this is dangerous territory for Louisville off of a blowout with a big game next week, playing a tough opponent on the road as a favorite. Seems like a prime. And I think the odds makers are counting on a lot of the casual fans to look at that NC State Notre Dame score. And I think it was 45, 24, something like that. That game changed on a missed field goal in the third quarter. It was a tight ball game. NC State was going to cut it to a four-point lead. They missed a field goal, I believe, 
it wasn't a long one either. And at that point, momentum shifted. Notre Dame seized control of the game, but NC State hung in there tough for two They played them tough. They played They're a good football team. I like them as a dog at home. What do we what what's our point? You're getting three and a half. So you're giving three and a half on the first one. You're getting three and a half with NC State. All right. I was on Mr. Swinney's head, but the truth of the matter is, um, Clemson showed me a lot there. I kind of came away from the game being a little more impressed with Clemson than Florida State. Um, I thought Clemson made a stand there as to like, hey, we're not dead yet. We're, we're not going to give you. Well, a I think it's based on expectations. I think Florida State coming off that early win against LSU this year, coming off a poorly played game against BC. I think we all thought they were going to go in there and, you know, really impose their will and put, you know, step on Clemson. And then, like you said, in the end, you kind of came away thinking, well, Clemson's not a bad team. They played, they played a solid ball game. Sure. Um, I think this would have been a tough game for Clemson had they beat Florida State. Truth of the matter is they lost. Um, this is their second loss already on the season. Emil, Clemson can't go two and three at the hands of Syracuse. They just can't. There'll be bedlam in that locker room, in that town. It'll be just too much. So here we are, week five in the college football season, and Clemson is faced with a must-win situation against a Syracuse team that's on the rise, but Amel, they're in no way, shape, or form ready for a highly motivated Clemson team coming to town. I think Clemson gets right here. I don't know what's going to happen to them with the rest of their season, but off of this loss to Florida State, you know, Syracuse is about to get the best of uh, Clemson can bring to the table, and I just don't think Syracuse... got a good line here. Clemson's given six and a half, and you know, if you remember... I believe last year down at Clemson, Syracuse played them at like a 27-21. Yes. Serves me. So they'll be on high alert. That's right. They're on high alert. And I, I think this is a, a bad spot for Syracuse. So I like your pick there. I think this is, you know, this Clemson's kind of playing for their season. Their season can go one of two directions. And they can't you, go two and three, Emil. No yeah, way. I'm saying you go you go two and three, your season's off the rails. Yeah, they're in big trouble. And so is Dabo, by the way. Yeah. Okay, so Chad's giving you Oregon State minus three and a half. Uh, that's a Friday night game. NC State plus three and a half and Clemson minus six and a half. I'll make mine simple. Uh, I tend to run in the direction that the average fan is going to run away from. That's kind of the way I like to do it now as we get into the meat of the season. And everybody here knows I'm a USC fan and I'm going to be rooting for USC. And I can still root for USC, but I'm going to take Colorado with 21 and a half points. And I'm going to tell you what, wow. that's a very hard number for USC to cover in the spot. Several reasons. One, last week, that game's in Oregon. We all know, especially in college, football and basketball, home field significantly improves any team with a little bit of talent. Okay, so Colorado's going to have a home crowd. It's a nationally televised game. To cover 21 and a half points, you're going to need the same type of offensive output from Colorado. Colorado's got enough players and a good quarterback that I feel they're going to put up some points. Okay. If they put up 24 or 27 points, I mean, I got to think after what happened last week, they're going to play with a pride that, that does not allow USC to score 50 points. Okay. Right. 
that's where I'm going here. So I feel like, you know, do I think I'm not going to tell you, I think USC is going to lose the game, but do I think this game could be 41, 30, 41, 28? Yeah. That's what I'm kind of looking for. And I just think 21 and a half points is way too many points. Dion will have his kids ready to play in my opinion. My only concern here is this, and I wouldn't dare touch a Colorado game. I decided after that week one, 21 point upset, I'm not touching Colorado. I'm not messing with Dion and his motivational tactics and his ability to rally these guys. But the one thing I would be concerned with is that if USC is indeed better than Colorado, they are going to have in their head the score of that game last week against Oregon and be thinking about the whole common opponents thing down at the end of the road. And if they are indeed better, making a concerted effort to cover the number. And, and I hear you there. The only reason I don't think that's as pertinent in this situation is they're going to play Oregon. So none of that's going to matter at the end. They're, they're going to settle on the field. So, Absolutely. so I, I, I'm counting on Colorado to show some pride here and play like a team that should be focused this week in practice. USC is still the Alabama of the PAC 12. Mm. They get everybody's best shot. They're good Absolutely. now. So they're definitely going to get the best shot. But even when they stunk, they get everybody's best shot. Okay, so. Can't argue with that. Okay, next, I'm going to take a team I watched last Saturday night against USC. Now, Arizona State's an interesting team. They got shut out by Fresno State. They lost their top two quarterbacks in that game. That kind of sent that line up to 35 points. Because Arizona State's got some, some guys. They've got some ath athletes on that team. They have some injuries, but you know, losing two quarterbacks in a game is very difficult. But when they played USC, this young coach, he was the Oregon play caller. He's 34 years old. Very impressed with him. I forget his name. I like what he's doing there. He has a starter, Drew Payne, who played at Notre Dame last year, played and played well. Okay. Mm -hmm. He had a whole week to get ready for USC. He got creative. He had a whole week to prepare a uh, pain. They hung around all night. They hung around all night. They played inspired football. Granite USC was sloppy. They made 12 penalties. They turned the ball over. But at the end of the day, they lost 42-28. Hmm. You're giving me Arizona State with a guy who has got the team now. They, he's, he's the guy coaching them. He's a young guy. He's fired up. He's getting 12 and a half points against Cal. I mean, Cal is a 12 and a half point. I mean, I. Cal color, may not know what to do with that. Color me silly. I mean, this is Cal. <laughs> I'm going to take 12 and a half points at Arizona State. I think last week's loss the and the, the feistiness they played with can turn that season around now with, with a new young coach who's motivated, wants to win ball games. Not that every coach doesn't, but he, you know, he's coaching for something and he had those kids ready to play. Give me Arizona State plus 12 and a half. And then finally, Iowa State, you took them last week. I'm going against them this week. All righty. They're going to Oklahoma. And see, Oklahoma is not the normal Oklahoma. Usually they start near the top 10. This year they start at like 20-something where they even ranked. They've got to start – got to beat people up. They didn't do that last week. They played a very un-Oklahoma-like offensive game and beat Cincinnati 20-6. to But that game was still in the balance early in the fourth quarter. I think they're going to see this number – and circle it and say, we got to go out there and cover it and put it, make a statement against an average Iowa State team. This game feels to me like 48 to 17 Oklahoma. It just feels like they go and 
throttle Iowa State. I liked Oklahoma coming into the season. I liked what I've seen so far this year, last week notwithstanding. And um, yeah, I'm with you. They got to start, you know, putting up points and knocking people around. So, yeah. What's yeah. the number? 19 and a half. So we're going Colorado plus 21 and a half, Arizona State plus 12 and a half, and Oklahoma minus 19 and a half, which will roll us into the NFL. I'll go first. You're going last. Here we go. NFL last week. Both of us had good weeks, winning weeks. Both of us are two and one. Chad's six and three on the year. I'm four and five. We're going to, at the end of the year, we're both going to have winning records in college and pro. That I can guarantee you. Uh, you started off, you took a very tough loss. Well, yes and no. You gave Green Bay minus two. They won by one. That was a weird game. I mean, I was on the wrong side. So. Yeah, I mean, the Saints somehow blew a 17-0 lead midway through the third quarter and lost 18-17. That was a tough one. But then you picked up a, a, tough, a, a close win with the Bengals, uh, giving two and a half. They won by three. Split that one out. Yes, and you'll talk about those guys later. But the, the Bengals, there's issues there uh, th that are beyond just, you know, one game. And then finally, the Lions, easy winner for you. They won 20 to six. You were given three and a half. So you're two and one. You're up to six and three. Very nice. But, you know, if I take your record, you're 16 and five. Anybody I'm else? doing some things. I'm doing, some, doing things. some things. Uh, I had the Lions like you. Uh, we both we both saw that Atlanta 2 and 0 record coming to an end. Uh, I had the Bills. I, I kind of felt like uh, Washington's number was up there. The Bills went in there and. Uh, Excellent pick, by the way. It was a no powder. <laughs> Yeah, they walked them. It was it was thirty seven to three in Washington, and then I took a tough loss. Uh, you know, early in the game, I felt like I was going to cover this, but it, you know, the Eagles pulled away late. I had the Buccaneers plus four and a half on Monday night. Eagles beat them twenty five eleven. So I was two and one. I'm four and five. We'll roll into this week, and you know what? Sorry, South Florida. Sorry, I'm running in the other direction of what makes sense. The Dolphins hung seventy points on the Broncos. That. It's going to be – I'll be surprised. If they come out and do 40 again this week, I'm going to be impressed because the natural human tendency when you do something like that, you're never as good as you look when you win and you're never as bad as you look when you lose, especially in professional sports. I think the Bills, who, who have a defensive-minded coach, are going to do some things up there in Buffalo, and I'm going to take them minus a solid field goal. They're three-point favorites. They have played Miami and this offense tough. So yeah, and you want to know something? It's the game of the week, though. For yeah, sure. the line the line is saying that the Bills are getting the home field, giving three. So the odds makers still respect the Bills. They're not they're not falling into that trap of oh the Dolphins won seventy to twenty. So right, I think the Bills get it done here, and then the Dolphins can exact revenge later in the year. Second pick. Nobody gets more angry when the Cowboys lose than me, especially with no offense. They lose to the Cardinals, who is not a team, if I look at the rosters, the Cowboys should be losing to. The fans will run away from the Cowboys this week because the Patriots come to town. I'm here to tell you the Patriots are not that good of a team. They beat the Jets 15-10. to 10. If Dallas has any professional pride, that defense will play with its hair on fire this week. And I'm, I'm given the six and a half points here. Gladly given the six and a half points. Dallas should be if I'm going to be concerned as a Cowboy fan if they don't play well on Sunday. That's a good number. Yeah, it's a good number. And finally, I hate to do it to you, but again, the Cardinals got their win. 
They're happy. They're, they're a win. Well, I'm not saying they're, they're happy. They're satisfied. They beat a team that was considered a top three NFC team. They're feeling good. They're going out to play probably the top team at this point in the NFC, the 49ers. The number's big. It's bloated. It's 14. But San Francisco has just been doing people real good. <laughs> and, and this feels like something where they impose their will, uh, beat them up for a while. It might not be crazy. But again, 31-10, that feels good to me. I'm going to lay all 14 points with the 49ers. I'm going to say this to you. Um, I don't obviously pick Cardinals games because it'd be hard for me to be impartial. However, if I just blindly look at this game, um, I would be highly inclined, my friend, to go against you here. San Francisco's had an easy way going at it. Um, and they've got a showdown with the Cowboys next week. And it would be real easy for them to look past this here, probably put in some Dallas stuff uh, during the Cardinals week, figure out how we're going to stop. And here's why I, I, this is where I disagree with you, even though I know, listen, I would take your position if, if I was in your position, but when they put the film in to do the Dallas stuff, it's going to have the Cardinals on it beating Dallas. And that might get their attention. I guess we'll just, we'll, we'll have to see. But all right, recapping it, Buffalo minus three, Dallas six and a half favorites, going to lay to six and a half, and the 49ers by two touchdowns over the Cardinals. All right, uh, maybe I'm a glutton for punishment, but I just don't see how. The Detroit Lions can come into the Green Bay Packers house and be a favorite. On the road on a Thursday night game. That's just sacrilegious. Not a believer yet in the Lions, I can tell. I'm a believer in the Lions until the odds makers, as they did a couple of weeks ago, get out over their skis about the Lions. You go making them almost a touchdown favorite against the Seattle Seahawks, who were as, you know, a pretty solid football team last year and look like they'll be good again. And once again, just because Detroit went and beat up on Atlanta last week, you got the balls to make them favorites on the road. Like somewhere, Aaron Rodgers with his foot up is saying, holy crap. Don't you feel Do like I mean that don't much? You, don't you feel like, like Vegas kind of capitalizes on the casual fan knowing that it's so hard to recalibrate from Saturday to Sunday? Because in Saturday, we look at style points. And did you win by 35 when, when you or did you win by 17? Then you get to Sunday, and I think people's brains don't shift gears because every NFL team is going to lose a game or two or three or four. I mean, even the best teams yeah. are 14 and three. I think, Emil, they're taking advantage of the people we were talking about at the top of this broadcast, yeah. which are the casual fans that come in and want to comment about football when they don't really watch it and pay attention. I'm going to take Green Bay as a home dog on a Thursday night home game, for God's sake. They're catching one and a half, so, you know. You, uh, it doesn't matter. You just, just say they're going to win the game. It, yeah, that's how I'm looking at it. All right. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take another home team. Emil, I sat there and watched. Um, I flew southwest back home from Arizona. So, you know, you get to watch some TV. Yeah. So, you know, it was really great to help me with the ride home. I could watch the Monday night football game. And I watched Cincinnati go out and get that win that they needed to get against the Los Angeles Rams. I was not impressed. They've got problems, Emil. They've got problems. They can't run the ball the way they need to. They cannot protect Joe Burrow the way that they need to, and they're not strong enough defensively to balance up what's happening on that offense. So you you think Cincinnati's problems really start and end up front? 
it starts there in the trenches and then it, it moves into some other things, which by the way, Joe Burrow's not playing good football right now. He's missing wide open receivers. There are throws that he ought to be able to make that he's not. He's throwing comeback routes out, out of bounds. He's one hopping balls. Uh, maybe the calf's not right. If we want to make excuses for Joe Burrow, whatever the case may be, the results are not good. They struggle to win a game that they absolutely positively had to win against a Rams team that maybe is playing above their head, but they're just not a great football team right now. That's troublesome to me. So now you're uh, sending them on the road and you're like, oh, okay, they got that win. They're back. Well, now they're road favorites against a Tennessee team. They got humiliated last week. And I love Tennessee in this situation. And I love Mike Vrabel and I love his ability to get his team motivated because um, you've got these guys coming to town. And I think that defense is going to get after Joe Burrow once again. We may see another game where he's in that first half under 100 yards and maybe he's thrown a pick. Well, we do remember the playoff game that Cincinnati won a couple of years ago on their way to the Super the AFC Championship. Uh, when they when they won a playoff game by three points, I think it was miraculously at Tennessee as Tennessee sacked Burrow nine times. Yes. Um, and we could be looking at a similar situation. I think the motivation here is all on Tennessee's side. You've got to respond to the, you know, the, the terrible game you played against Cleveland last week. You're at home now against a Cincinnati team that's not running on all cylinders. So uh, what's what's the number I'm getting? You're getting two and a half here with Tennessee. Two and a half. I'll take the two and a half with Tennessee. So I'm taking a couple of uh home guys basically you're just saying they're gonna win the games outright two home underdogs yeah the two guys here i think um are gonna win the games outright i've got a guy that's gonna come in and make my last pick for me here amel just stay tuned here let me, let me oh okay we missed our college friend this week hey Amel, how you doing good about it two times here the pleasure's all yours listen <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and uh, listen, Chad, Chad told me to come in here and make this last pick. All right. Okay. I might've asked him. I might've made him do it. It doesn't matter. Okay. But I'm here and I'm going to make this pick for the last, the last game here. I'm going to head out to Dallas. Now it's been, I haven't been out to Dallas since that thing in 63 with Fitzgerald in the convertible, <laughs> but we're here. We're back again. All right. I think I'm going to do the same thing that you're doing there with the Dallas Cowboys. What's the number again? Six and a half. It doesn't matter what the number is, all right? I'm going here with the Dallas Cowboys, and there's just no way in hell. Listen, the Patriots are coming to town. There's no way that these guys are going to lay down on the field after what they did out there in the desert over there with Arizona, all right? Imagine the quarterback. What do you guys have Cowboys. booked there? Listen, this book right here, yeah. on top of having the numbers that I need to cover, got a couple guys in here too that owe me a little bit of money i'm gonna have mm. to take care of that later watch your local news you might find out mm. something but listen to me imagine that cowboys quarterback dressed in white throwing a ball to somebody dressed in red can you believe that there's no way in hell that this guy does that again this week the mccarthy guy ain't gonna let that happen so i'm telling you right now six and a half points is a bliss my cousin anthony works in the casinos over there in Las Vegas. He's telling me the wise guys are going with the Cowboys at six and a half. Does Anthony go to church Sunday mornings? Does he pray on these games? He might pray on somebody, but I don't know about him going to church. You might not. Okay. okay. But anyway, he tells me the wise guys are going with these guys, Dallas Cowboys, six and a half. Who am I to go against a wise guy? That's how you end up scrubbing the ocean. And I ain't SpongeBob boys for no friend Patrick. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to lay that six and a half, and I'm going to do it real well. I'm going to go strong with the Dallas Cowboys. Oh! I'm telling you that right now. That's what we're going to do. We're going to take the priest's money. We're going to take the nun's money. We're going to shove it all on the guys with the stars on the helmet, and we're going to go ahead and get that done. Let me recap. Let me recap for the audience before we say goodbye. Go ahead and do that for me, will you? Chad and his friend, his new friend. Only two times. Let's get that right. Yeah, okay. He's got Green Bay plus one and a half for you. He's got Absolutely. the Tennessee Titans plus two and a half. And Absolutely. Absolutely. the Dallas agree, Cowboys man. doing their thing. Doing their thing. Yeah. Dallas giving six and a half. I think they're going to just run through them guys left and right. Patriots, eh, no Patriots for me. So that's it for me here, Amo. I'm going to go get the soul brother out of the bathroom there. By the way, Amo, that's a real strong... Paisan name there. I like that. Uh, I, right? I'm it, feeling the olive oil dripping. You saw the, don't don't tell your friend. You saw Rock, Rocky beat Apollo Creed. Right. Twice, if you ask me. We're not going to talk about that here on this show here, but you're going to be seeing me around a whole lot more. And don't end up with your name in this book. You hear me? Oh, don't back worry here. about me. I will say, get back in here, will you? I don't know who that guy is, <laughs> but he decided he needed to make a pick here today your sicilian friend i'm you all the way all right so we got all this thing set up amel there better be some wins coming down this week and that donnie two times guy this better be a winner because i like him you like him he likes him we all like so that's where we are we're giving you lots of winners this week we're giving you lots of winners this week we're gonna dig in that basket i feel we're gonna have wins in all all areas, all areas. Oh, you might start talking like you might. They might not know who you are down there in Miami. You know what? I, and I'm home this week, so <laughs> see how that whole things go. All right, guys, you got it all. We talked about the week that was, the week that's gonna be, and I think you're all set up here. I am really highly interested, Emil. Wait a minute. We didn't even talk about this big game that's going on on Sunday, Denver and Chicago. Thousand dollars in your hand. Who you picking? Bears. Really? Yes. Denver somehow is a three-point favorite on the road in this game. You know what? I figure their defense seems to have quit. And, and Chicago, maybe they just go back to the, the ground and pound of last week of last year that they did a lot of. And I don't know. I just I don't like the vibe out of Denver. I mean, I know Chicago doesn't have a better vibe, but to me, they're home. I'll take the home team. I don't trust Denver. That's just gonna be one hell of a thing. I don't, you know, I don't see any other really Big time games here. We didn't talk about Amel <clears throat> before we get out of here. We didn't we didn't talk about Alabama Oof. pulling it all together. But I did have this point of making it. Yeah, you wanted to talk about our fun coach. I'm I'm listen. I like Lane Kiffin. You like Lane Kiffin. We all like Lane Kiffin. But the truth of the matter here is he's a fun coach. He's got great plays, great concepts. And I think Amo, that is height. That's what he'll be. I don't think that guy's ever going to really raise a trophy. Has, you know what else he has? And God rest his soul. He's like you said when we were talking on the weekend. He's Mike Leach. Um, he's got he's got funny quotes and things he says. He's entertaining the interview. He'll, he he'll, so he'll stir the pot. And that is, I mean, I, I'm not trying to. I mean, I guess I am in a way being denigrating, but I don't mean it that way. But that's that's great at Mississippi because Mississippi football is not something that where they've won. Doesn't have a history. Doesn't no. doesn't have a history of national championships. I just don't know if he ever moves from there and goes somewhere else that that's going to happen. I just see that kind of coach 
schematically a how mummy, um, you know, a, a leech, um, a Jerry Glanville fun. It's going to be entertaining. You're just never going to win that big ball game. This was his opportunity here, Emil. He has to know that. Uh, you had a wounded Nick Saban. Everything was on your side. And you got stifled. You got, what was it, 24-10? Was that what it was? 24-10? And they were leading at, at halftime, right? Or was it tied? I think they were leading 10-3 or no. Was it Whatever. The second half, especially a third quarter, Alabama came out, went right down the field. And let's be honest, Alabama's got their whole a whole set of issues offensively this year, especially at the quarterback position, and they still couldn't do it. So at some point, you got to say, well, I mean, does is Alabama ever going to come in in a situation with Nick Saban worse than what they were doing in this game? Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just he's a fun loving guy. Yeah, he's a fun coach, and that's what it is. So I just wanted to talk about that. I mean, kudos to Alabama for figuring it out, going back to their quarterback and realizing it's really not him. And getting the job done, I don't know what Alabama's going to be for the rest of the season. And the SEC West is turning out to be By a By the way, uh, I wouldn't be shocked, though, uh, at the same token. I wouldn't be shocked if he won at home this week against LSU. I'm not saying he will, but I wouldn't be shocked by it. Um, if I was if I was going to pick the game, I would pick Mississippi. Yeah. I'd pick Ole Miss in that game. But that doesn't really mean anything at the grand scheme of things. I think those teams are just going to beat each other up in that SEC West. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see who comes out of there. But that's it, man. Uh, we're out of here. We're on our way. We will come back next week and wrap all this stuff up and uh, just talk about what's happened on the field because all of the stories are now being uh, presented to us uh, out on the field. So I'm looking forward to that. So and have a good weekend, everybody. Enjoy the games. Yeah, that's right. We appreciate you hanging out here with us. Again, if you haven't had a chance to do it yet, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on whatever form you're listening to us youtube anchor uh spotify whatever you're listening to go ahead and hit the subscribe button so you are notified the next time we put out a great show like this one all right for amo calamino i'm chad wilson thanks for watching and listening to the two chumps football podcast see you next week guys